Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. So I wanted to talk today a bit about Instagram and reality and marital stability, which is what we talked about on the blog this past Monday. So inshallah, tell if all goes as planned, then you are hearing this recording on the 29th of January. And not, I hope you still enjoy it and you can search through the blog for Instagram and marital stability. So I found this study really interesting. Some of you may be familiar with this publication called Brain Pickings. She changed the name. It's a blog that's been around for quite a while. And she changed the name of it. Uh, I do not remember the new name. The Brain Pickings name was so stuck in my memory. Um, but she had, I was actually looking for, maybe someone mentioned an article or referenced something, or maybe I read it somewhere, I don't know. But I was looking for um, something about beauty overload, That that's what it was. Something about beauty overload. And so I had Googled that, and hers was one of the first ones that came up. Which I was really happy about because I used to, I was never an avid reader of her blog, but when I used to read it years ago, I always found it really fascinating. Um, she had a, I, I feel like she was, the way she writes is similar to me, maybe similar to a lot of um, writers and people in that, I don't know, creative people or, or whatever, um, but just sort of pulling from a lot of different sources. So I, I really enjoy her blog when I do read it. And so she spoke about this issue of beauty overload, and particularly she talked about the way it affect, affected relationships and the way that we, our sense of our own um, security, stability, satisfaction with our relationships, and that would particularly be romantic partnership, marriage. And so men who were overexposed to beautiful women they felt less secure in their relationships and women who were overexposed to successful men, they called it dominant men in the study, then they um, also felt that level of insecurity. So of course you can't bank too much on any singular study, but I did find it fascinating. And I think sometimes when we hear studies that kind of... Um, they're in sync with our gut feeling about things, then um, it's very easy to say, you know, see, here's the evidence. Allahu alam, right? I'm sure a lot more studies would have to be done, especially when we live in such an unprecedented time where the image is so prominent as it never has been before. The image, the accessibility of the image, um, the ability to, the accessibility to both produce and consume image is completely unprecedented. So I'm sure it'll take a lot more studies to realize, but, but you know, that's, we kind of have to rely more on our personal experience and it kind of feels like in these times because things are changing so fast with technology. By the time there's enough people in a study to prove, ah, oh, yes, you know, it's true X, Y, Z, They'll be 10 years too late. We're on to the new thing, right? Um, technology really doesn't last in any specific form for any 
um, long period of time, even existent technology that's been around for a while, um, or social media more specifically online, than something like Facebook, right? It's been around for a long time. Um, I think a lot of these companies came about in 2007, so that's about uh, over 13 years there. It's about 15 years. But what Facebook was when it came out back then isn't what it is now, right? And now that Instagram is here and owns Instagram as well, that's a whole other um, medium. So to study the the effects of these things, it's useful, it's valuable to know. Um, but good science happens when you study a lot of people over a period of time. And it it's going to get weird because it's like, what use is it to study people over X amount of time, 10, 15, 20 years, and the effects of a particular thing, when by the time the next generation comes along, that thing will have transformed um, so greatly, so rapidly. Even within the 20 years, the whatever the thing is would have transformed. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Instagram was about taking pictures of your food, and that seemed to be the dominant uh, thing that people did on Instagram. So, you know, these things are constantly changing. But we can at least say as Muslims that, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always correct. And sometimes he allows us to see his wisdom. Again, this is a short study. And I think that we can more so play on our own experience to recognize the truth of this or not. Um, I'm sorry, did I say it's a short study? It, it's one study is what I meant to say. Uh, I think she may have referenced up to three studies. So it's, anyway. Um, but unless you put on to Elam, in his wisdom, he tells us to be modest. He, there's a, there's a, reprehension in Islam or, or a hesitation about imagery in Islam, a very strong hesitation. Um, there is the image in Islam is not the center, right? The Prophet came and he got rid of the idols in the Kaaba. He got rid of them. And he also got rid of the idol psychologically for people because the idea by creating these statues that you were supposed to have a physical representation of and manifestation of God was removed. And it was removed in this great fashion. It's like Ibrahim um, you know, breaking all the idols and then giving the um, whatever the tool was to the biggest idol to say, you know, see, he did it, like, ironically. And the people knew, of course, the big idol didn't do it, which is a an, a bringing to life of this reality, of this fitra, that God is one God. He can't be represented by statues and stones and imagery. So it's very clear in Islam that we recognize the power of imagery, and even, even the nuance of imagery in Islam today, it's not a wholesale allowance, right? 
um, there's still some questions around the the okayness of imagery, and I'll, I'll leave that to you all to explore on your own. I would suggest the Alliance of the Traveler and looking up um, images in there. There's even a section on TV. So you can look that up for yourself. But I say that not to say that, well, one opinion is correct and one opinion is not when it comes to imagery in general, but to say that the importance that there is value in recognizing the hesitation and at the very least, the nuance that Islam has towards imagery and our recognition that imagery is powerful and imagery can be idolized. The idolization of the self, the idolization of others. And I think that this is a part of what happens. I started off my blog post mentioning that I just came across this sort of random um YouTube short, and I, I like hearing what people have to say about relationships and what they want in relationships and that sort of thing. So I'm sure that's why the algorithm showed it to me. But this this man, he said, um, he was saying that women shouldn't play hard to get because there's so many women on his feet, essentially, is what he said. And it was such a funny sentiment to me because... And I think I actually saw this before I saw the article. So I thought, wow, this really, this stuff really ties in. Because the internet, social media in particular, it warps our sense of reality. It warps our sense of reality. And I think it's very hard for the human being at this stage in our development to really understand that seeing is not always believing. I think that's a very, very hard thing to grasp. May Allah aid us. And I say this because depending on one's sight, yes, we have touch, taste, smell, um, hearing, as well as sight, Sight is a very valuable thing. You know, as I mentioned in uh, the Afterthoughts newsletter this Tuesday, seeing is believing for much of human history, for much of human life. Because to see was to see what was in front of you. Now, you can be deluded. Illusions can play on people. And that's why true sight, God-given sight, is so valuable. We know that the people in Pharaoh's time, uh, when Musa um, was given the task of going to the Pharaoh and, and telling him the truth and telling him to submit to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he had his magicians do their, do their thing, do their stuff, um, and then Musa was to do what he had to, what he was supposed to do. Um, and the people watching, presumably when they saw the magicians do their thing, it seemed real to them, right? And it wasn't until what Musa did overwhelmed what the magicians did that you realize, oh, that's not real, 
And of course, in their case, there were other complications as to why they um, didn't all necessarily believe at that point in terms of accepting, um, submitting to a list of Conatella. But uh, in general, seeing is believing. Um, now we can really question that as to how often is that or how accurate, but at the very least, in our physical lives, most of the time, a lot of the time, often enough, hamdena to rely on, then our sight is an accurate representation of reality. If it looks like it's raining, it probably is raining. And then, you know, you can go outside and confirm by touch, by feeling the rain on your skin that, oh, yes, it is raining. But sight is often reliable in the physical world. But what happens when so much of what we see isn't in the physical world, so to speak? It's through these devices. I think it's a very difficult thing for us to truly comprehend, truly accept that I'm seeing something, but it's not true. It's not real, at least not in a meaningful way. So for instance, the men who are being exposed, overexposed to all of these beautiful women who are in the top one percentile of beauty, let's say. And I know we can say beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but the reality is if you get 100 people in the room, there will be um, there'll be a hierarchy, right, in terms of how many of us agree that any particular individual is beautiful. So whoever the most people agree is beautiful, that person would be on top. And Instagram showcases all of these very beautiful women. There's an overexposure of beautiful women. And of course, people have access to filters and makeup that is enhanced by filters and uh, good lighting and, and all the things, right? So this warps their reality into thinking that one into thinking that all of these women are available to them and also into thinking that these women who are actually the top 1% of in terms of beauty are representative of what's out there and we can reason we can logic that you know we can use our logic to say okay, we know this is not a representation of reality. This is just Instagram. People have filters. People have this. People have that. Even uh, Instagram, Facebook, these, uh, and tic- uh, not TikTok, uh, Twitter. Well, not really Twitter because Twitter is more about, you know, the written, uh, what is written, but, or writing. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, they don't straight out say it that they promote more beautiful people. But an app like TikTok, they're very sort of blatant about it. That they, and I don't know if it was like leaked or something, but this came out maybe, I don't know, last year or something in the news. They purposefully promote more attractive 
not not even just people, but aesthetics. So your background, your house, wherever you're filming, looking good and you being beautiful will get you seen by more people on TikTok. And I have no doubt that probably all of the apps do that because they want you to stay on and people love looking at beautiful people. So men see this and then they grow dissatisfied with their own real life relationships. And of course, this is not just Instagram. This is when they view pornography. This is the viewing of beautiful women in general. And again, for for women, it was when they viewed dominant men. I don't know if she defined that in the article, but I took that to mean men who are maybe masculine, physically fit, successful, uh, might be a little more broad than just attractiveness. And again, it's because of this imagined access we have to these people. You think that, oh, there are all these people who are the top 1%. And, you know, I hate to use that. Like, in one sense, I think it's okay to use it because, yes, some people are the top 1% in terms of wealth or the top 1% in terms of beauty or the top 1% in terms of being fit. But no one is the top 1% for everyone Um, because we're all complicated right you may really like someone because they're very attractive but okay what about their personality what about their hobbies what about their similarities what about their values and on and on and on (laughs) the someone being very beautiful or very dominant doesn't make them the perfect potential partner for every single person so obviously it's more complicated than than this but it's it's something that we put very high on our list as, as human beings. So feeling like, well, this person is just a DM away warps our mind into thinking these people are more accessible than they are and more abundant than they are because of the image, because of the power of the image. And I think social media warps our perception even more than like television or the movies, if I was going to do a sort of hierarchy in terms of um, what warps our reality the most, I would say uh, social media is number one, TV is number two, movies are number three. And even with TV, there's a lot of nuance because you have new shows, you have reality shows, you have different um, varieties there. But social media warps our reality because... On social media, it's just regular people, right? It's people like you and me, and we're just getting online and sharing whatever. And so that makes it more real. But it's not actually any more real than a Hollywood star on the big screen. But I don't think our minds can accept that. Because the fact that you can... DM this person makes you feel like you have more access to them than you really do. Because just obviously, just because you can DM them doesn't mean you have any more potential for a significant relationship with them than you do if you wrote fan mail to Jennifer Aniston, right? Um, But I, I still, I don't think our minds really understand that. I don't think we quite grasp that. 
And I think that it is really warping. I mean, it clearly is really warping our reality. If seeing this imagery can make us less satisfied with our real life relationships. The last thing I want to mention that I found so fascinating. There is a TED Talk. Um, and I'm saying this just so you can look him up, but this is not actually what I'm what I'm gonna mention. But there's a TED Talk on YouTube. Uh, let's see, like the topic is on YouTube and children's shows or children's YouTube channels, something like that. I feel like the guy's name is James Bridle, but I don't completely remember. He has another lecture. Um, also about the internet and it's really excellent but one of the things that he mentioned that I found so interesting in line with the way technology warps um, our sense of reality and, and particularly not really particularly but I'm just sort of specifying on this topic of relationship he mentioned that you might have heard years back there was this this website, I won't say the name of it, that was purposefully set up for men to look for women to cheat with. For married men to go on look for women to cheat with. And someone got into this site and um, you know, had all the emails and names and everything revealed from the site. And so I guess some researchers looked into the information as well, since it was out there, right? And what they found is that about 80% of the users were married men, right? So this is married men looking for women to cheat with. 80% of the users were married men. Of the women on the site, most had never logged in more than once. But then there were this like 5% of, of the users, these quote unquote female users, who were very active. And what they found, like sending hundreds, thousands of messages a day, what they found was that these female users, these female super users were bots. These men, a lot of these men were going on this site to unfortunately engage in this haram activity and they were in fact talking to bots and i think that is such a i, I just found that to be really valuable to think about because it emphasizes this point once again that the internet is a very dangerous place when it comes to reality, when it comes to having a sense of reality. If you're having these men on there having conversations with these women, planning whatever they're planning with them, not knowing that they are probably talking to a bot. And why would they even go on that site? Yes, there have always been men who cheat, right? Men and women who cheat. But I personally don't doubt that had these men not had a website, had not had the ease of access, some of them would not be on there trying to cheat and in fact talking to a bot. And it's this delusion. It, it, it's a, 
extreme example, but it's again this delusion that there is better out there, other out there, that the reality that you're in is not worthwhile, it's not satisfactory. And it's really unfortunate because in the end, what does it really lead to? In a spiritual sense, in a reality sense in the next life, it can lead to the hellfire, it can lead to punishment in this life and the next. And on a I don't even know what what sort of level to categorize it in. But something about that is deeply embarrassing and shameful that someone was dissatisfied with their life, decided to go on one of these websites and seek after um, this kind of relationship and they end up talking to a bot. If that doesn't make you question or reassess the investment you have in your own real life versus the investment you have over the possibility of something better and not something better out of, you know, wanting better for your life and working on it, but just out of a sense of dissatisfaction, ingratitude, um, a lack of value to your own life that you have been given. And so I think it's very complicated. Um, I wrote an Insta- Instagram po- uh, post where I kind of simplified it because I think that, um, you know, you can simplify it to some degree, which is that, at least in this very specific topic, for women, we should not follow men who post the constant gym pics or any man who ever makes you think twice about your own marriage. Whoever makes you feel like, oh, he's so this or he's so that, unfollow, mute, you don't need that in your life. You don't need something that is going to make you feel dissatisfied with your real life husband. And I think even more so for men, unfollowing, and honestly, I think it's more explicitly harm uh, for men, you know, to be following these women who are immodest and even who are just posting a lot of imagery of themselves. Because it could be that they're not too immodest. Maybe they're just showing their face and they're dressing per- perfectly modestly. But you find them beautiful. You find them attractive. It could even be that you see them cooking. Or you see... Uh, another thing I mentioned was the sort of marriage accounts or the marriage goals, quote-unquote. So yeah, for men... The obvious, don't, yeah, don't follow the women who are immodest. Don't follow, again, anyone who makes you feel dissatisfied with your own life. And hopefully, I want to write a post in Shulatala about, I think I feel like I've wanted to write something like this for a while, about immodesty being almost a form of assault, um, I think I was almost going to work that work this post that I, wrote re- that I wrote recently into that, but I didn't end up doing that. Um, but just the idea of immodesty being an assault, an assault on marriage, an assault on society, and that we have to realize as women, modesty is not just about us. It's not even just about men. It's about all of society. There are so many, so many angles to touch on. But just to quickly mention to you all, 
if you think about this post, uh, excuse well, yeah, the post, but the particularly the study, and the idea that the imagery of beautiful women made men more dissatisfied with their relationships. We're not even we're not talking about cheating. I, I mentioned the um, the website example, but not even, on a lesser note, just the idea of being dissatisfied. That means that a woman dressing immodestly around your husband is potentially making him more dissatisfied with your relationship. And I know when you say that, like, I'm very aware. When you say something like that, people say, well, your husband should X. We're not talking about actions. Because men and women are responsible for our actions. We're talking about just feelings that are stirred in men or women. And it's an interesting thing because there's an idea, what I've come to realize, which is a whole other thing. Feminism is about the single, childless woman. If you are a single, single, childless woman who wants to do what she wants to do, wants to work, wants to have freedom, feminism is great. It's an amazing ideology for the single, childless woman. I mean, I'm being a little... Um, <laughs> being a little sarcastic when I say great, but it's like that ideology works for someone like that. It does not work for any other type of woman. It doesn't work for women who are mothers. It doesn't work for women who are wives. It doesn't work for women who are grandmothers, who are et cetera, et cetera. Or I guess if you're a rebellious teen, it also works. But feminism this sort of women's empowerment ideology. It doesn't care. So when I say that of a woman dressing immodestly can stir up feelings in your husband to make him dissatisfied or lessen his satisfaction with your relationship, the immediate reaction will be, well, that's on him. He should do X, he should do Y, et cetera, et cetera. Again, we're not talking about actions, just feelings. And yet, if, this sort of women's empowerment ideology was about all women. Why would wives and their relationships to their husbands be excluded from that? Why is it that in a scenario where one woman's action can hurt another woman, it one woman just seems not to matter. The woman who's the wife, she doesn't matter. But the woman who's single... She wants to do what she wants to do. She wants to dress however she wants to dress. Nobody can tell her what to do, etc. She matters. But the woman who is a wife and who doesn't want her husband to just have to be constantly assaulted with immodest woman, she doesn't matter. Her husband has problems. He needs to, you know, whatever people will say he needs to do. I think that's something to think about. Now, I have to figure out a way to say it that doesn't sound how I know it probably. Well, I know how it sounds. So I have to figure out a better way to say it. Because I think saying it, it's very easy for it to sound like we are diminishing men's responsibility. 
And that's not the point. Again, we're not even talking about actions here, just feelings. Something seems unfair about that. If we flip the genders real quick and I'll I'll wrap up because I'm just going to turn this into another podcast topic. Um, if we switch it for a moment, would a man have feelings about um, un- discomfort with his male friend, his brother, um, his whoever, um, showing off his muscles to his his wife, you know, flexing, talking about how much he bench presses in the gym, or talking about how much money he makes, or where he's flying to next, and the houses he bought. I think we would say, okay, that why not tone it down a bit? Now, again, it will say, well, you should be more secure, which is something I hate so much. You should be more secure in your relationship. People have insecurities. And I, I think it says a lot about society that it's almost like we're recreating society to fit very well for single people, but not for people in relationships. And that sort of ties back into this Instagram thing. Being a show-off, whether it's in terms of immodesty. Well, yeah, in terms of immodesty, whether it's showing off how much you bench press or showing off how pretty you are, it doesn't help people's relationships. And I don't... It's very hard to say that in our society because for some reason we don't... I don't know. It's like we don't think we should care about that. That's your problem. You People should get to dress how they want to dress and brag about whatever they want to brag about. If you're insecure, that's your problem. Instead of saying, oh, okay, this action is actually harming someone else. That's interesting. Maybe maybe it's time to reassess. I don't know. Just, just some thoughts. Clearly, I have to... Um, Think about it more so that it makes more sense to me and to um, those of you who read my blog by the thing, the olive.com. But something to think about. And uh, you can DM me on Instagram uh, at Nuridy Knight. That is N U R I D D E E N K N I G H T. Tell me what you thought of the podcast, especially those last couple of ideas that I'm still forming. What do you think about it? Um, should we care at all? Should we have any responsibility at all to people in relationships? Should we care that certain content can harm people in relationships? Um, and perhaps more importantly, or either whether we care or don't, I'll just leave in what I said on Instagram that it's really important to curate our feed in a way that doesn't constantly make us feel jealousy of others or dissatisfied with our own life. So thank you all so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Again, that's at Nerdy Night, N-U-R-I-D-D-E-E-N-K-N-I-G-H-T. And we'll talk soon. Take care.